Amen. It is a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. Yes, amen. On a Sunday morning. Amen. Uh, thankful for all that are here today and those that are on their way. Amen. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. We're going to take a few moments this morning and teach from the word of the Lord. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Verse 23, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. And if you've been with us for any length of time, uh, you know that we've been going through methodically and chronologically through this scripture. Uh, we've taught, we've taken weeks we've taught on the fruit of the spirit. We've taught on love, joy, peace, everything in, in consecutive as it's uh, consecutively as it's listed in the scripture. Gentleness, goodness, faith. And last week we talked about meekness. Yeah. And today we're going to teach about that word that is. Uh, called temperance. Everyone say temperance. If you have your Bible, just turn over quickly one more passage of Scripture and we'll be seated from the book of Proverbs, chapter 25 and verse number 28. Proverbs, chapter 25 and verse number 28. It says, He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Amen. You can be seated. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, we're taking some time this morning to talk about that word temperance. Um, and it would be impossible to adequately cover the subject of self-control in one normal lesson. And so we might... Take this lesson and split it up into two sessions. Uh, but it is the intent of this study this morning to, first of all, open our eyes to a biblical definition of self-control. Uh, then to show us a few of the areas where we might lack self-control. And then to explain what the self-control life is as well as how to develop it. Uh, these are the different areas we're going to focus on. Um, in today's world, temperance has taken on the meaning of abstaining simply from alcoholic beverages. And we can use that word if, it's, if you hear it used in the world. Temperance is usually uh, making direct reference to abstaining from alcoholic beverages. And it's, that's a simple worldly uh, thought behind that word. But from a scriptural perspective, the definition uh, doesn't just include abstaining from those things. Uh, from alcohol, but its true definition is even broader than just the simple subject of uh, abstaining from alcohol. Uh, in Galatians 5 and 23, that word is used, temperance. Uh, and from the Greek, uh, the meaning behind it is self-control. Um, further study of the word means not only self-control, uh, but it also means to be strong or masterful in self-control. Right. Um, and there's much that we'll delve into this morning. But this definition should not surprise us as God requires our very best in all that we do. Someone say amen to that. Amen. God requires our very best in all that we do. And for us to be able to give God our very best, every one of us 
must allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives, to bring us to the point and to the place where we can have masterful self-control. The word temperance as used by the Apostle Paul and St. Peter was understood by the Greeks of that day to mean holding the passions and desires of oneself in in check or in control. Holding your passions and your desires in control or having them in check. Uh, this was uh, this word was used of the purity of one uh, who masters his desires and passions, especially his sensual appetites or any appetite that appeals to the flesh. And let me say today, amen, that this is something Uh, Again, that we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, not the works of the flesh. But this is something uh, that comes when a person allows the spirit of God to work in their lives and they allow the Holy Ghost to get so deep into their spiritual being, into their soul, that God begins to literally help a person to master their passions and their desires Amen. To have complete control over their lives. Uh, Sensual appetites include, but not limited also to sexual desires. Self-control consists of the right use of your will. The right use of a person's will. Every one of us has a personal will, a, a, a something, and God has not taken away from us that will of the human being. Every one of us has self-will, has a will to do things, uh, but allowing God to work in your lives helps you to redirect and to control and to refine that will of a person. And self-control consists of the right use of that will. When God begins to work in your life, you can make statements such as, I will live for Him. I will serve Him all the days of my life. I will give my heart to Him and give my all to Him. It is the right use of a will. That's why God doesn't take away from you your will. But God says, let me work with that person, with that man, or with that woman. Because if I can get to working in their life, I can take the things that the, that the world has distorted and twisted and, and caused to malfunction. I, I can use it to make that person determined to live for God to the very last day of his or her life. And to yield their, their hearts to God. It still takes a made up mind. It still takes a made-up mind. Self-control consists of the right use of that person's will. In the case of the Christian, it means the right use of the will under the controlling power of the Holy Ghost. Under the controlling power of the Holy Ghost. If you will allow, amen, the, the master craftsman, the master archer to pull the string of that bow and to direct it where he wants it to go. He will allow that arrow, to, it will allow the arrow to go exactly where it should go. And God doesn't uh, destroy a person's life, but a person that yields their will to God, God says, let me take that life and let me put it exactly where it ought to go. And I'm going to use the, 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 the inherent characteristics and the qualities that this person possesses and, and I'll use it to accomplish a specific 
that my will can be accomplished in their life. Aristotle, that wise, uh, now deceased individual, stated, I count him braver who overcomes his desires than him who conquers his enemies. For the hardest victory is the victory over self. And it still rings true today. Amen. The, the, the best conqueror is not the one that conquers all of his enemies and conquers worlds and, and all these, uh, these big goals and big dreams and big desires. But it is the one who learns how to conquer himself. And really what that looks like in a church is, is someone on bended knees saying, God, my flesh doesn't want to do this, but here you go, Lord. I'll let you, God, take control of my life, God. I'm surrendering myself, God, that you might help me with the areas and the issues in my life. And so self-control is a battle of the flesh. Yes. It's a battle between your flesh and the Spirit of God. That's right. And since we're referring to the fruit of the Spirit, we must realize that no one can exercise proper self-control without the help of the Spirit. Yes, amen. Nobody in this place can just simply say, well, uh, I'm just going to change my my mind. And so therefore, uh, I'm not going to fall back into that that old trap that I always fall into. But it takes, amen, the intervention of the Spirit of God in a person's life. Where where God begins to work in your heart and God begins to change your desires and change your passions. And God begins to replace things in a man or a woman's life. Amen. At an altar or in a place in the presence of God where God can work in a person. And you sometimes think, well, I've got to have it all figured out when I give my heart to God. And God says, just give me a chance to work in your life, to work in your heart, to work in your mind. Allow the Holy Ghost to have its way and to work in your life. Amen. There's a version of the Bible. Uh, the True Living Bible, I believe it's called, that spells out or says the uh, different scriptures in Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 19. I don't want you to put on the scripture today, Sister Gina, but this is the, the True Living Bible. Uh, in the King James, this, this passage of scripture is very hard to follow because it says what I would do, I do not, and I don't do what I do. And just your mind's like, what's going on here? But in the True Living Bible, it says it like this. I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I can't. I do what I don't want to, what I hate. I know perfectly well that that what I am doing is wrong. And my bad conscience proves that I agree with these laws that I'm breaking. But I can't help myself because I'm no longer doing it. It is sin inside me that is stronger than I am that makes me do these evil things. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. He realizes that he is in a struggle. The apostle, uh, the writer to Romans, to the church in Rome, he realizes that he is in a struggle for the self-discipline. To do those things that are right. And he further realizes that on his own there is no way of escape. On his own there is no way of escape. 
Romans, if you continue reading it, the same chapter, chapter 7, verse 24, it shows that he realizes on his own there's no way of escape because he said, Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of death? He realizes that on his own, uh, there's, it's not possible. Amen. If you're trying to live for God, if you're trying to come to church week after week, and you're not allowing God to work in your life in a personal uh, time of prayer in your home or in the church, if you're not allowing God to work in your life, you're going to find that it's so hard to get to church. It's such a struggle because you're, you're not doing it with the Spirit of God working and getting involved in your life. But it is so hard to live for God, amen, without the Spirit of God. Yes. Yes. The writer goes on in verse 25 and states that there is an answer. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then you continue reading Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1. As you read on, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Who what? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. If you you just could... Connect all of those verses. Romans chapter 7 when he says, I, I want to do that which I should do, but I can't do it because of the shim that's inside of me and I'm struggling and I, and I know what's right and I know the laws that I'm breaking, but then there's this, this wretched man and who's going to be able to deliver me? And then he continues that thought process. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And when God begins to work in your life, there is no condemnation to those who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. It has to be rooted in a uh, connected to the Holy Ghost type of experience. Amen. There has to be the point in your day, in your, in your week, where you say, God, you've got to help me right now. Renew my mind. Renew my spirit. God, I, I, there's desires that are creeping up inside of me that uh, they should be there. And the desire to pray, the desire to live for God, to go to church, to, to be faithful in time. God, I don't feel that same desire. God, work in my life. Work in my life, God. Help me. Help me, God. When, when, I, when I'm dealing with desires to stay home in church and I'm struggling with having a desire to live for God, I've got to be honest and say, God, you've got to help me right now. Help me right now, Lord. Help me right now. With the help, without the help of the Spirit of God. Every one of us is going to utterly fail at self-discipline. And with that failure will come frustration and condemnation. Frustration and, con- and condemnation. If you keep falling, you get really frustrated. When I first started to try to learn snowboarding, my first several days I went, was frustrating. I would make statements like, I hate snowboarding. I hate coming. I hate this. And this is so ridiculous and I can't get up. And, and man, you get so upset and bothered and, and, and frustrated at the experience of falling over and over again. And, 
And the devil will use that frustration, that frustrated spirit to right. condemn you. He will. He'll use that frustrated spirit when you try and you fail. And look at you, you're, you're flat on your face again and you mess up again. Yeah. Don't even try. Just just stay down in the, in the, right. in the depths of the snow and, and just, yeah. just stay there wallowing your, in, your, uh, in your failures and, and your, uh, your upsets and, your, and, and the things that bring you down. Just stay there and don't give up. And he'll, he'll knock you over and he'll knock you over and he'll knock you over. Right. And then he'll, he'll condemn you because you fell again yes. when he worked on you over and over again. Amen. But a person that has the Holy Ghost that has allowed God to work in their lives. Amen. There's a confidence that begins to build in a person that says, wait a minute. The devil's a liar and the truth is not in him. I made it yesterday. I'm going to make it today. And if I fail, I'm going to get up and I'm going to live for God again. And I'm going to allow the Holy Ghost to work in my life to help me to Praise make it God. to the very end. Amen. Praise God. That's good. Hallelujah. It's having that determination. That determination. Praise A lack God. of self-control. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we read about what this looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. Could you get up on the screen, Regina? 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. And know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. He's talking about temperance. He's talking about masterful self-control in a person's life. This is something that you've got to do. I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. I say, bless, you're going to live for God. Bless, you're going to get up and make your way to church. Bless, you're going to forgive. chapter 10 verses 1 through 12 and he informs us uh, Paul informs us that the ancient Israel was an example 
of the lack of self-control. They were guilty of a lack of self-control in four different areas in their life. The first being idolatry. The first was idolatry. Putting other things on a higher level before the Lord. Putting other things in front of their devotion to the Lord. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's easy to look at the Old Testament word idolatry and think, well, I don't have a graven image or a statue that I that I pray to every morning that I bow down to, but it's beyond just a little man-made, handmade statue that you pray to or, or kiss or, or make obeisance to, but it is anything that comes between you and your walk with the Lord. Anything, amen, that supersedes your walk with the Lord. And and you've got to make the conscious choice and decision that He will be number one in my life. There's no job that's going to keep me out of church. There's no relationship that's going to get between me and my walk with the Lord or or cause it to be tarnished. There's no uh, material possession, amen, that's going to hold my my attention uh, before the Lord. But I'm going to make sure that He is number one in my life. And I refuse to let the blessings of God, amen, stop me or, or entertain me or distract me. From the main thing, the main reason why I'm here. Come on, praise God. I I refused a long time ago to let work keep me out of church. Yes, amen. Amen. There were so many times where I would tell my boss, I'm leaving right now, whether you like it or not, because I'm going to church and I'm going to be at church tonight or tomorrow morning. And I'm going to be the hardest worker while I'm here. But this is the main thing in my life. My job is not the main thing. But my God is the main thing. The devil will use any number of tactics to get you, amen, to idolize something and to make it more important than the things of God. It's not if you lose your job but keep your relationship with God, then, then that's okay. But if you, if you lose your relationship with God for your job, then you have idolized the things of this world. And if there's a relationship, amen, that keeps you, amen, from serving your God, then you've got to allow the Holy Ghost to help you to exercise self-control and say, you know what, I appreciate family coming in from out of town right before church, but I'll be back in two or three hours and we'll fellowship afterwards. But I will be where God wants me to be. And I will not let anything stop me. Amen. God has been working in my life. And therefore I can be temperate and have self-control in my life. God will help me. He'll help me. And I don't want to also be on the other end of the spectrum where, where I've done so good and God's blessed me. And suddenly that, that beautiful boat that in, that's in the side yard or the jet ski or the motorcycle. Now I take run leisurely trips out of town on Sunday morning when I should be in church. But I, I just made up in my mind the only thing that matters in this life. Is my connection with Him, my relationship yeah. with God. Hallelujah. And am I living my life pleasing before Him? Pray. Pleasing before Him. Yeah. The Bible, and I'm 
Getting off my notes a little bit, but the Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Yeah. Yeah. Your conscience will judge you, will speak against you, and your conscience will let you know that the, the things you're doing, engaging in, is not pleasing before the Lord. But so many times we, we our conscience is seared with a hot iron. Uh, our, our conscience, it gets the best of us, and we learn to silence our conscience. Yeah. That we could continue to enjoy the things we're enjoying. And, and it'd be easy to think, well, I miss church and, and I didn't pray. And, and look, everything's still fine and dandy in my life. Uh, amen. The devil will lure you down a trap and make you think that if, if you just stop pressing so hard to live for God, he'll ease off the gas pedal against you. And he'll, he'll, he'll lessen the attacks in your life. But it's just for a season. Amen. It's just for a season. If you allow that devil to work in your life, it will lead you down a path of destruction and annihilation. And it won't just be your life that's affected. It'll be your kids. It'll be your grandkids. It'll be your brothers and sisters. Because some every family needs somebody to hold the line. Yes, right, right, right. To look to you and say, I appreciate you still living for God, Brother Nathan. I appreciate you still standing up for what's right when everybody around you did what's wrong. Uh, you let me know that, that you're, you're like a lighthouse. It lets me know that there's, there's, still, a, there's still a path, amen, that I should be on. You're still uh, that lighthouse in my life that, that lets me know what's right and what's wrong and, and boundaries and barriers. Everybody needs someone to look to and say, you know what? If she can make it, he can make it, and they can make it, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it all the way with the Lord. I'll serve him all the days of my life. Hallelujah. I want the Lord to be pleased with my life. What are the things in your life that have a higher priority that have a higher priority than developing your walk with God? What are the things in your life that have a higher priority than your walk with God? Hallelujah. God wants the church, the people of God, to live spirit-filled, exercising temperance, self-control, all the different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 and 22, all of the different aspects are interconnected. If you allow God to work in your life, it's easier to love. It's, it's, it's easier to have joy. Peace is more readily available. Long-suffering is just a natural byproduct. You, 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 you uh, have that subject of gentleness, goodness, Faith, meekness, temperance. All of these things are interconnected. And to the person that says, God, I just want you to help me. You know, none of us are superhuman. None of us are superman or superwoman in this place. Really, at the end of the day, what we are is just fragile human beings that realize our dependence and our need for God. Mr. Jesus has been living for God for how many years? 38 years. 
doesn't make her superwoman. It just makes her someone that realized I can't do it without him. I can't make it without him. And every day that I get up, I realize, God, I need you again. The spirit in feeling cannot be just uh, a, it cannot be just a landmark moment you have to look back to. Though that is important, and we'll preach about that we need that. But it has to be an ongoing thing. We say, God, when you fill me with the Holy Ghost this morning or last night, it was even better than when I got it the first time. And I know, God, when I get back into your presence again tomorrow morning, I'll be renewed again. And I know, God, that as the Holy Ghost works through my life, through the process of time, that in the mirror one day will stand a beautiful vessel of the Lord that others can use to draw closer to Him. That's the reward of a life that is spirit-filled. It's saying, you know what? I'm not going to just go to heaven by myself, but I want to influence somebody else around me and inspire them to go where I'm going, to see the life that I live, to see what my family looks like and the church looks like, and to say, you know what? There is something better in life. And I'm thankful today, amen, that here is a church, amen, that still believes and preaches and practices the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, amen. We still allow God to work in our lives and in our service. And may we never be a church that is a church void of the presence of God, the Spirit of God. May the church never have a, a sign over the front door that says Ichabod, the glory of God has departed. But may it always be a church where it is people that are surrendered to him and have complete reliance upon God. And God works, amen, for the betterment of that person's life and that person's family. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning and just take a few moments to talk to the Lord, amen, to receive what we've heard this morning. Amen. We'll move through in the service, but let's take some time to say, God. Let this word that you spoke to me this morning, let it get in my spirit, God. Help me, God, to digest it this morning, God. Help me, God, to receive this this word from the Lord today, God. Uh, God, I pray, God, that you would renew me again before I leave this service today. God, don't let me be the same way uh, when I leave today as I was when I walked to the front door. Work in my life, God. Help me, God, to continue to to just say yes to the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, to work in my life, to work through my life. I need you, God. Come on, would you stretch a hand to heaven this morning? And would you just ask the Lord here this morning, God, empower me, Lord, today. Strengthen me today, God. I need you today, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord.
Hallelujah.